I'm having trouble controlling the volume of my voice. <laughs> got that one a lot. And then <laughs> you like that one. You like that one. Yes, it is very stupid. Uh, hi. <laughs> hi there. Uh, welcome to Your Inner Child is an Idiot, uh, the podcast where we look back on things from our childhood and wonder if they were any good to begin with. My name's Damon. I'm TJ. Hello, hi. Damon. Hello. How you doing? Doing all right? You know, I'm okay. If I'm being honest, I'm okay. Are you feeling... Do I, like, do I make you horny? Don't. I can't. You know what? I almost do regret. I? I Please behave, uh, you know, etc. <laughs> this is a, so. This is a movie where we're going to watch the original Austin Powers International Man of Mystery. Is that what it is? Yeah, Austin Powers colon International Man of Mystery. This was a big deal as far as childhood dialogue goes. I'm afraid so, DJ. I'm afraid so. <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying it was like good for society at large, but it's the it was the <laughs> Borat of our high school experience. I remember this was like a slow simmer type movie. I remember my friend Zach was like, hey, we should go see that. I think he had even seen it already. And he's like, you should go see this Austin Powers movie with me. And I didn't really know much about it. And I actually kind of had dismissed it because, at least in my memory, Mike Myers had sort of disappeared like, he did Wayne's World 1 and 2. Yeah. He did So I Married an Axe Murder. And I feel like something else in there. And he had sort of faded from... View. It's been a few years. In yeah. retrospect, it was because his father died and he sort of oh, no. took a little break. And this movie is actually an homage for his father because oh. his father loved these like British spy movies. Oh, no. It's okay. I'm a, no, it's, okay. I'm, it, it's bad, but also like I'm about to rip into that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So I remember like being like, oh, I, okay. And I remember went and saw it in a fairly empty theater on top of that. But enjoying it, thinking it was very weird and quirky and very specific to, it wasn't like a James Bond parody, which I think I enjoyed, that it wasn't like those well-worn tropes of James Bond necessarily, although that's part of it, but it was yeah. like specific to, I can't remember the, like James more Bond like in Andrew. like Flint and right, and those right. type of type of movies it definitely included the bond right those oeuvre. tropes are there but he's like styled in a very specific way that is more like i'm trying to remember there's a michael kane movie that i also haven't seen michael kane michael kane that is also like an inspiration for for this and that's why michael kane was playing his father in the third one but then after that i'm not gonna look that up right now but after that this became school dialogue and i think it was yeah. all the lines that i was not into <laughs> Yeah. Like right, there's a lot yeah. of like very quotable lines in this movie. And my favorites, none of my favorites are, oh, behave, do I make you horny, et cetera, et cetera. Mike Myers is one of those people that is a very smart person who does dumb humor very smartly, yeah, intelligently. And sometimes it's sort of the blazing saddles conundrum where it's like, you're yeah, not, you can sort you're of liking have this like, the wrong way. <laughs> you're not liking this the way I want you to like this, you yeah. racist bastard. <laughs> <laughs> and I think a lot of times the sort of more lowest common denominator jokes are the ones naturally that get like quoted by 15 year old boys and not the references to BBC four. <laughs> that I like, enjoy. Yeah. You're right. And I think this is kind of a, the beauty of this is that like it, 
it does work both ways where you can be like, well, because I also liked it and I felt the same way where I was like, I don't like I don't think that's that funny. It's kind of silly. We should be laughing at the Mama Cass joke, not the not the uh, I really constant sexual harassment. My favorite was, oh, yeah, we, Austin, we won. Oh, yay, capitalism. <laughs> like, that was my favorite joke. That's a good joke. <laughs> but I feel like a lot of this is going because, I mean, no through no fault other than its own popularity is going to be very cringy, to quote the kids, for me. Yeah. I'm kind of hoping that it'll hold up, but I know parts of it for sure will not the constant sexual harassment yes yeah <laughs> well and it's like it's not like in the 90s we thought that it was good i just think maybe we as a society didn't recognize like how prevalent that kind of behavior well maybe also was. i mean part of the joke is that he is like from another time right and yeah it's supposed to be like very uncomfortable like at right. least in the first movie we're supposed to be laughing at him yes not yeah. with him on those those weird discrepancies. It does get more as the series goes on, like more caricature of this caricature. Like it gets more mm-hmm. and more silly. And I think that's what they were going for. They're like, let's just amp up the zaniness. And so I think this first one, if any of them have the most hope of holding up, I think it's this first one. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but that's kind of how I feel about it. And I was, I loved this. I liked it as well. And I remember being very, uh, it might surprise you snobby towards my uh, classmates that liked it in a different way. Yeah. Can't believe you used this pop culture thing as a cudgel. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's good that we've grown up. And then when they this remake Austin later. Powers with a female Austin Powers, I'm going to raise hell. I'll tell you that. You're ruining my childhood. <laughs> my childhood didn't have women in it. Uh, he man whose third uh, third lead is a woman didn't have that many women in it. How <laughs> dare you? I think that song is called Soul Bossa Nova. Like I'm oh, trying is to figure it? out what the pimp thing you're talking about was. I thought there was I thought it had pimp in its name. Bang 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 me 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 you know. Yeah. Soul Bossa Nova. Well, I apologize then to pimps in general. <laughs> <laughs> and bossa novas i guess it's okay baby i said and then bossa novas said nothing because they're not it's not a person so what is a bossa nova it's a beat it's a type of beat i should know from school the the actual definition of it i could play you a bossa nova but i i don't remember like what it is i'll look it up <laughs> we'll educate the people <laughs> Uh, well, obviously, I mean, just from memory, I'm just going to tell you that uh, Bossa Nova is a, <laughs> a, it's a style of samba mm-hmm. developed in the late mm-hmm. 50s and 60s in Rio okay. de Janeiro, mainly characterized uh, by a different beat that altered the harmonies with the introduction of unconventional chords and an innovative syncopation of traditional samba and <sighs> single rhythmic division. The Bossa Nova beat is characteristic mm-hmm. of a samba style. It's not an autonomous genre. You know what I like about it? That you put it in terms I can understand and you felt natural talking about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think we all know that I wasn't reading that. And certainly not from just the first Wikipedia article that I found. <laughs> <laughs> this comes from a deep understanding. Anyway, we're going to watch Austin Power. 
Austin Powers. The first one is called Austin Power, and then the second movie is called Austin Powers. Austin Powers. And then the other one is Austin Power again, but with a three instead but of the like, second E. Yeah, Superscript yeah. 3. And that's the one where they kill Austin Powers. But then he comes back in Austin Powers colon resurrection. Yeah. Watch along with us. We'll be right back. We need a commercial here, so I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play the Quincy Jones theme, and you do a commercial. Okay, ready? Two, three, four. Do I make you want to donate to your inner child as an idiot's patron, baby? Uh oh, oh, donate. Yeah, you know, like uh. It's my English accent, so you know you can go to yourinnerchildisanidiot.com and donate. Really, it's uh, it's just that over and over again the song. So <laughs> I was just figuring it out, and uh, I think I did. <laughs> I think I figured it out it was four seconds of looped music. There's other stuff going on, but not the, the main thing is just is that. Let me back you up here, um, please, I can, please I know, back me up. I know a lot of you right now. You're thinking. This Damon guy's a fucking liar, but he's Whoa. absolutely telling Whoa. the truth. Go to patreon.com slash your inner You can become a patron of the show. You get bonus episodes. You get your name read in the credits. You get your name in the written credits, depending on how much you give. Every once in a while, Damon will read poetry. Oh, wait. Uh, this is a thing that I've decided we're starting now. Read poetry? Not even I want to hear me do that. <laughs> I don't know what we're going to do, but uh, you become part of the uh, Patreon community. You can tell us directly. What do you, I mean, you can, you can tell us directly anyway, but like, we'll maybe listen to you more because you're giving us money. <laughs> DJ, I want to uh, thank you for not only giving me the opportunity to take the microphone and lead this ad, but then also saving me from myself in also doing the voiceover work for this ad and also providing the soundtrack, albeit for the first third of the ad. I got bored. I'm sorry. <laughs> Now you know how Quincy Jones feels. Oh, wow. Take that, Grammy winner. I'm bored of my own shtick, he said. <laughs> Damon Santhopoulos, will you please oh. recap uh. Austin Powers, International Man of Mystery, for, for me, for you, and for our listening audience. I'll take that to mean you didn't watch the movie that you need a recap so desperately. I gotta so be honest. So desperately from me. I don't even know what movie we're talking about. Even though I just said the title. Like a goldfish. Picture it. London, 1967. Swinging. Swinging London, one might say. You know, standard spy stuff going on, like London was rife with at the time. Dr. Evil. Spy shit on every corner. Megalomaniacal, uh, lazy-eyed, ne'er-do-well. Hey, I don't think we're allowed to say that. I shouldn't have brought it up. I sh it definitely shouldn't have been the second descriptor of him. Yeah. If I was describing to the police, you know, if they were going to nab him, I should have brought it up. But <laughs> I don't like, think it's, it's not a, it's not a reflection of his character. And I apologize to the lazy. I could have just said he looks identical to our hero and he sounds just like Lauren Michaels, according to <laughs> people that talk to Lauren Michaels. They're nemeses, but we find out that uh, Dr. Evil uh, freezes himself and unthaws himself 30 years later in 1997. But that's present day. Exactly. Austin Powers follows suit, does the same, freezes himself, gets thawed out in 1997. He meets his old partner's daughter, 
Vanessa Kensington, the child of Mrs. Kensington, and uh, they partner up and go undercover in Las Vegas because they found out that Dr. Evil's big boy rocket ship has landed near there, and that's probably the place he'll show up. Lo and behold, that's exactly what happens. They find out that he wants to send a nuclear missile into the center of the Earth, which would cause all the volcanoes. You remember this in biology, in geology. Biology. All the the volcanoes of the Earth would immediately explode. I have no reason not to believe that. And that's why you don't want that to happen. So Austin Powers and Vanessa uh, stop that. Uh, Along the way, they uh, penetrate uh, a woman, they kill an Irishman, they run over a security guard with a a steamroller, they do a long, labored, uh, extended, improvised bits, all the stuff you remember from spy movies. It's fun. Is there anything else they need to do here? All the improvised bits in spy movies. (laughs) This movie isn't really one to sum up because I feel like I've put more effort in the recap than was done, not in the script, but in just storyboarding this out. It's a classic spy thriller. There's an evil guy. Mm -hmm. Our hero uh, saves the day. Eventually saves the earth, stops him. But guess what? Dr. Evil gets away. That's the last thing I wanted. I think we might see more of him in the future in other films. <laughs> I don't know. He seemed pretty out there in space. It would be no, tough I to get know. back to Earth from that, from that rocket ship. Right off the bat. Yes, DJ. Extended choreographed dance sequence to the Quincy Jones song. And I got to say, it's one of my favorite things in the whole movie. I love, <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. I think I didn't even appreciate how stupid it is. I mean that the highest possible. Yeah, yeah. When I was a kid, because like when you look out, it's obviously a studio lot, like the Seinfeld New York set, and they just populated it with as many mod-styled girls and London features as they could. So there's plenty of red box telephone booths, red mailboxes, and confusingly, both a constable and a Tower of London guard right next to each other, just on the streets of London. It's absolutely deranged. It's very funny. It's very uh, reminiscent of like those Beatles movies like Help, where they're just being chased around by girls. And oh, it's tough being the Beatles once again. I came into this, I was not like prepared to hate it or anything, but I think I would think I was expecting coming in this movie, maybe Carrying a little bit of like, I don't think I'm going to like this as much as I did when I was a kid. And Let me pinpoint was, the, the mood. Was it resignation? Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. And I was also like, I'm going to get kind of like retroactively annoyed with all the people that quoted the parts of the movie. We talked about this in the <laughs> intro. <laughs> the parts of the movie that I didn't think were funny. But it's like, I did think other parts were funny. No, there is a hipster read of Austin yeah. Powers. And I feel like I definitely embodied that both at the time... Where I was like, no, that line's not funny. This other line is funny. Yeah. About the fall of communism. Isn't that funny? Or the part, even the part where he just pees for a long time? That's funny. Not, oh, behave. I came into this rewatch being like, I just watched it in the van today. We were on the way back from Atlanta. And I was like, I don't know. Van life. Hashtag van life. I was like, I think I'm going to mostly like this, but you know, it might take me a minute and I'll like these parts and not these other parts. And then as soon as it started, I was like, this is funny. Like his like faces, his like poses, it's all very silly. Mm-hmm. It's clearly like, I, I don't know. There's when Mike Myers is doing his Mike Myers thing and firing on all cil- cylinders, it gets me. It is generally, there is, 
there not every bit of it you know not every corner not every nook and cranny of it but like <laughs> i find him funny in general yeah it's funny that the the title card like literally is a freeze frame because one of the things that i find funny about him is he's almost like very snake-like when he's yes. at least as austin powers he's always kind of moving and like sort of slithering around even when he's just like sitting there smiling his smile can't stop like it yeah. won't it's kind of a little bit like the Grinch in the yes. cartoon Grinch where it yeah. just keeps curling around his mouth is almost like Leonardo trying to say splinter in the original uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie it's just moving around like a wave it's very as Bethany would say Bethany and a woman from the 1920s would say it's a very winning yes thing he's very winning I had a feeling of resignation as well both of because of like my knee jerk response to the things that just sort of penetrated every layer of the zeitgeist say no more, layer. Say no more. <laughs> hey what hey what hey what does she like the pictures that's a different british comedy thing <laughs> but like not just those oh behaves and do i make you hornies that eventually your your weird uncle was saying right but the sexual politics of austin i was and i think we touched on this you know in the intro i was already uncomfortable with but I was actually surprised that the stuff I was most uncomfortable with in a different way was the Dr. Evil stuff, which is what I expected to like the most returning back to. Mm. That was the stuff that uh, came off the most flop sweaty to me. Mm. Whereas Austin Powers, sexual politics aside, and we can talk a lot about the problematic issues of Austin Powers in general. Right. Like, he felt like a very coalesced character that was making fun of a definite thing from Mike Myers' childhood and apparently from what I read, like an inside joke between him and his wife that they used to do. The Dr. Evil stuff felt very... I mean, I was actually surprised because I really do think Mike Myers is a very talented comic writer and actor. And the Dr. Evil stuff just felt like it was always going on a really long time with no punchline in sight. Mm. I was always like, where are we, where are we going with the Lucky Charms the description of the Lucky Charms commercials. Like, I feel like that joke hits its high mark. I'll explain the joke, as everyone loves a good explanation of the yes. joke. That, well, nothing a, makes something funnier. <laughs> <laughs> they have, uh, Dr. Evil has several henchmen, one of which is Patty O'Brien, I believe is his name. I think so. Is, the, is there a more Irish name? Because it has to be the most Irish name. It's Patty O'Brien, and he's like a former IRA member, and he always, he kills by strangulation, and he uses it using a charm bracelet. Dr. Evil mentions Scotland Yard would love to get their hands on that piece of evidence. And he says, oh, they're always after me lucky charms. It's all the entire character is for this joke. It like, entirely yeah. exists. Which is, I mean, number two yeah. only exists so he can yeah. say, what, who does number two work for later? Right. I'm like, that's the height of the joke is like, okay, you referenced the Lucky Charms commercials. But then Dr. Evil mentions I disagree, it. but continue. <laughs> Do- Dr. Evil starts giggling. Frau Farbissina also starts laughing. And then she starts to explain the culturally accepted idea of the Lucky Charms commercials at great length to no end. It goes on for a minute or two. And I'm like, okay, why is she, does this build up to something? It never does. And I felt like that is like a microcosm of the Dr. Evil scenes is like jokes that go on for a long time, but always stay at the exact same pitch. They never go high or low. They're just always at the same level. Do you disagree? I do. I take your point, but I also think that you're bringing in stuff from the sequels because I think they take 
I think you've got baggage is what I'm saying. Oh, wow. Baby. Let's yeah. unpack it. <laughs> yeah. No, I First think... off, I won't deny that I have plenty <laughs> of baggage. No, I don't think you're like entirely wrong, but I think this one, while there are, it is clearly like there are improvised moments or at least it's set up to sound like they're improvising. Like it's kind of like silly mm-hmm. and they just kind of stay on a, on a moment too long. You like keep the camera rolling. Like what would happen in this evil genius's weird volcanic lair if you just kept the camera rolling? They, you right. know, like for example, they laugh and then they're done laughing. That was one of the few times where That's I like funny. that because yeah. it's funny because it's making fun of spy movies where right. the villain and his henchmen laugh and then Mike Myers goes, but what happens after they're done laughing? Well, and the, and, the, <laughs> and they, they, they would awkwardly yeah, trail off like, in laughter. Yeah. <laughs> and Patty O'Brien, I think, is like very tangentially making fun of the kind of one note character, like mm-hmm. henchmen kind of characters. But it's mostly for this setup for this this kind of extended. I don't mind Patty O'Brien. Set. Don't get me wrong. I don't mind him and live existing just for this stupid joke. I mind the aftermath of Patty O'Brien, which is like basically doing what I'm doing currently, which is explain the joke to me. I'm like, I already got the joke. Lucky Charms has been in existence since the 60s. We all know where this joke comes from. You do not have to explain it. But we get my favorite part later, which is, and Frau is explaining it, Frau Bisson is explaining it, but she goes, continuing, oh, and they're saying, oh, you give them Lucky Charms, and then, and then the candies, and there's little marshmallows in it, and the children think, oh, this is candy, I must be having fun, <laughs> which I quote kind of regularly. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> Not like, you know, every day. Later, we'll go through them because it's not really that fun to listen to us quote a movie over and over again. But I have a batch of things people <laughs> quoted ad nauseum. And then there's a different batch of things that I quote, which there is maybe some overlap. But I think mostly there was the kind of what we were talking about, the hipster take of like, these are the quotes <laughs> that I remember and go. These over are the real again. jokes. Well, it's like, yeah, you, you're not loving it right. <laughs> you don't I. appreciate the Muppets at the same level as me. I, I mean, I guess I still disagree. I still was waiting for Frau's like thing to hit a note. And even the Mustafa thing where Will Ferrell in race changing makeup, let's let it be noted, is one of these many henchmen. He gets sent uh, into the pit that uh, all of Dr. Evil's insolent and incompetent henchmen go into, but he doesn't die immediately. And he gets caught in the, the tunnel and he's just calling out from the the little vent for help and I kept waiting for it to go somewhere, and eventually he's just sort of shot, and that's, the punchline is his silence means that he is dead. That one's not as bad as Patty O'Brien, right, but that right. one is still like, I was still just waiting there. It's not that it's not a funny premise, it's just that the premise never goes any, despite its runtime, never goes anywhere else than its initial premise. What if someone didn't die when they fell down this tube? That's the joke. Right. But what if it went on for four minutes? That's also the joke. Just to move on, you're going to have to agree to disagree because I think that in the sequels, and we'll have to, if we get to watch them as well, see if I'm right or not. I think that happens more as the sequels go on, as they really stretch it out more. And I think that gets, to me, to be more annoying. And this, I was actually kind of refreshed because I rem- I was remembering the whole trilogy and being like, boy, some of these go on. And they do, like, intentionally. But, mm-hmm. like, to me, this wasn't, mostly wasn't too long for me. Because it was like, they do, like, kind of the rule of threes, right? Like, the ship joke he does, oh, which, which is kind of the ones that, like, I remember going on too long. And it goes on for a while, but, like, he does, like, 
for little sh- jokes. And I think in the future ones, it's what, what is it like? How about you don't or whatever it is. He does like Ugh. nine or 12 or something. It's just like, right. if that's funny, more is funnier. It was just like, no, <laughs> not necessarily. But I didn't feel that way as much. And, you know, obviously you feel differently and that's OK. But I just obviously. I'm just saying I'm just saying I guess the, only, I, I, the, one I the I, opposite feeling, I guess. OK, fair enough. And you're wrong, you. wrong, <laughs> wrong. Nikita Khrushchev, as he was, he also got angry about Austin Powers. That's why he was slamming his shit. Oh, okay. He got tired of zipit.com. That's when he lost his yeah, shit at Austin yeah, Powers. Yeah. The spy who shagged me. That's when he slammed his shoe on the table. I think in Counterpoint, though, what I appreciated is it almost felt like they were, the two halves of the movie were written by two different people. Mm. Because the e- Dr. Evil part is sort of like it revels in these weird silences and awkwardness. For good or for ill. For ill. And the Austin Powers stuff feels more or less pretty well scripted. Yeah, it's a little tighter for sure. It felt like Dr. Evil just wasn't, hadn't coalesced as what what his character was. And it felt like they threw a lot at him hoping that something eventually worked. Austin Powers is feels like he's there, like the moment he arrives. The way they did it, they're both idiots. So they had Absolutely. to like, and I don't know if they did that intentionally. Where they're like, well, make this Austin part of the movie a little bit smoother. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think so because there's still. I think it's just a coincidence because I think that there's still those improvisational in quotes. I don't know what was improvised for real or not, but like something that feels kind of that way. There's still those right. moments in Austin Powers side of it, but it's definitely heightened and like it's just there's so much time in that layer. And that's like that whole thing. It's And it's mostly that, the Seth Green, the Scott Evil, which can we just acknowledge the brilliance of <laughs> just the very idea of just having a teen of like Scott Evil. Like that is I do like the running really joke funny. that's never really acknowledged that his last name is literally Evil. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's always got like music playing as he like comes out of his bedroom. <laughs> he has, yeah, he has some sort of like grunge music coming out. I did like, he sort of has an, like I think because I had already been like annoyed by the Patty O'Brien stuff and Mustafa stuff, when he shows up and he doesn't really have anything to do, I'm like, it's more of this then. But Scott Evil eventually does, I think he leads to the best parts of he sort of takes on the Vanessa role to Dr. Evil in that he is the person pointing out Dr. Evil's like stupidity where none of Dr. Evil's henchmen would dare to right, do so. He's going to kill them. Yeah. But he, he does a good job of pointing out how ridiculous these spy movie tropes are. He's like, just shoot him. We can right. do it together. We can have like this father. It'll son be fun. Moment. We'll shoot him in the head. Boom, I have a gun in my room. Let's do it. And he's like, you just don't get it, do you, Scott? (laughs) Eventually, Scott pays off. And I mean, he also pays off for my favorite Dr. Evil scene, which is the father and son uh, therapy session. Yes, very good. Which Dr. Evil gives a very scripted monologue, which I highly enjoy about his upbringing in Brussels. That was, the, that was like the exception that proved the rule for me with Dr. Evil. I'm like, this is funny. This is yeah. ludicrous, weird character building for the supervillain that I enjoy. And I could have used more of this and less of uh, just awkward looking off camera. Can we talk about Austin Powers, the titular spy of this movie? The titular international man of mystery who has a card, even when undercover, that says Austin Powers, international man of mystery. (laughs) First, we have to acknowledge just the genius of Basil Exposition. Like, (laughs) I laughed. I think that was a joke I got when I was a kid. And it's one of those jokes that's like just faded from my brain. But it is funny because he's just there to dump information on Austin and us. It's pretty great. 
That's pretty great. But yeah, let's talk about Austin Powers. I've heard of him. Yeah, he's like a British spy. He's got bad teeth. He has interstitials in this movie and this movie alone yes. with his band. I did like that. I, I mean, I didn't know if it was... The vibe I got was laughing, but I didn't know if it was like a more specific reference than that. There is someone who's dressed like Goldie Hawn used to on laughing. I'm definitely missing many of the references because this is like very referential obviously the entire idea of it and there's like specific bond movies and other spy movies and there's a specific other movies and i i'm probably getting i don't know less than a third of it (laughs) yeah i mean i i mean i haven't probably seen most of the movies that are being referenced here because this is also sort of a i mean it's not a running joke in james bond it's just something that the james bond universe just chooses to ignore which is that his name seems to be james bond and he lives his life as james bond and every time he goes somewhere they're like oh james bond the spy of course i'm like that doesn't seem very spy to (laughs) use your actual (laughs) christian name (laughs) when when going abroad to hunt supervillains. And I like that Austin Powers ostensibly is a fashion photographer. Right. But is also an internationally known spy. I like in James Bond where, I don't know if it was an internet theory, but it was a theory out there that was like, you know, James Bond is a code name, part of sort of like 007. That's why you have these different actors playing it. And the Ian Fleming estate was like, absolutely not. (laughs) We gave you an out to like do whatever you want. They're like, that's not what Ian meant. I was like, well, that's stupid. (laughs) (laughs) It is dumb. Austin Powers. Okay, so let's, do you want to get into the sort of, what do you want to start with? With Austin, the character. Let's talk with Austin's sexual politics, because that's probably the most problematic thing about him. And it's also kind of like serious, and then we can get back to the fun stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I was ready to be uncomfortable, and I was instantaneously uncomfortable when he gets on his plane and invites Vanessa to come sit with him on his circular bed, circular rotating bed, and then he plays the turbulence game, which is like him pretending there's turbulence and falling all over her as she struggles to remove his corporeal being from on top of her. Just some light assault. Just some light comedy. We all love it. And then, of course, like once she finally escapes, she sits down on the couch and, you know, turns away from him, but then also looks over her shoulder at him. The problem is like it the movie thinks it's sort of calling him out i think because it is like it's not the 60s anymore right can't be a perv but then it's his behavior doesn't really change that much and yet it kind of you know he gets what he wants basically i mean i think the the movie also because it's such a over-the-top satire Gets to sort of play it both ways where he, well, you can't really take this seriously. We're making fun of James Bond, who is also very assaulty in many of, especially those early ones. Played by Sean Connery? Weird. Sean Connery, the wife beater? He assaulted women? Come on. Doesn't sound right. The man who was called out on on saying that he was a wife beater and said yes in the 80s? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Can't be, it can't be slander if he was like, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh-huh. That's right. <laughs> I said what I said. And by I said what I said, what I meant to say was I shed what I shed. I shed what I shed. Ah, feels good to laugh about it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, I think, put it succinctly. Like, it, it gets to have it both ways because it can make fun of him and then also still continue to do it. And it's frustrating because it definitely is, it's a joke. You can hear the retorts of like, it's just a joke, right? But right. that is like, especially like the more we learn about things, I mean, that many women have known the whole time, but that maybe 
some some of us at least a str- but how could we have known how could we have known right all we, we did only was just it- started learning the woman language <laughs> <laughs> and i <laughs> i only we just finally cracked the code <laughs> turns out they were speaking english the whole time we found that rosetta stone which was <laughs> webster's dictionary <laughs> yeah so i don't know it's just like you kind of i think they would have i think you would have done it differently you know if it had been made 10 years later or well, at least, uh, 20 I years mean, later. I, I don't mind that it's there because, yeah. I mean, that is a part of these spy movies that yes. I find really gross. Yeah, absolutely. And calling him out on it. But it, did, right. it wasn't and as have evolved. It, maybe have yeah. him have an evolution that's much more apparent. He does change some. Like, he agrees. Like, he has no problem. Like, he sleeps with the Alata for China. Yeah. Uh, the Dr. She's Evil's. Italian. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I, there was some trivia that was like, well, if she's Italian, it would have been a fajina. And I was like, you know what? <laughs> you fucking nerd. Me saying that. Can you believe it? Anyway, <laughs> what was my point? Oh, yeah. So he sleeps He sleeps with Alata Fajina, and he has no problem. Like, he's, he thinks there's no problem with that. So when Elizabeth Hurley, uh, Vanessa, Vanessa, Vanessa calls him out, or he's like, you know, I have this feeling that something happened. And he's like, oh, yeah, I slept with her. Which he, oh, yeah, I shagged, his problem, I shagged her rotten. <laughs> yeah, his problem is not like admitting that which is like okay it's own kind of healthy right but then Mm -hmm. she he recognizes that bothers her and he agrees like listen if this is a problem i won't do it and then so there is not there's not zero evolution in the character i don't want to cloud the bubble here but i was a little annoyed by that scene as well because i was like am i supposed to be interpreting that they are in a relationship now. Right. That also was like off off page. Like they just had a good day together as far as yeah, I Yeah, they saw. had a good day together. She got drunk. She almost made out with... And this is another thing that it was like, oh, and then she gets drunk on this sort of day out in Vegas that they had with the legendary Mr. Burt Bacharach. And then she tries to kiss him while she's drunk. And he's like, no, I can't. You're drunk. It's not right. And I'm like, okay. It was just a lot of I don't I don't know what to to do with Austin Powers. They made him charming all of a sudden oh, yeah. in that moment right. where he's like, no, he won't. He doesn't want to sleep with some random drunk woman just because she's drunk. He wants to like seduce her or whatever. I don't know. I didn't know what to do. I mean, I knew what they wanted to do, which was like to sort of lionize him a little bit in that moment at right. least. And that's, I mean, that's admirable because that was also something that was not really, if you watch a lot of 90s movies, especially a lot of 90s sex comedies, you won't see a lot of guys going, oh no, I couldn't possibly, you're drunk. I couldn't possibly sleep with you in this moment. So that is admirable, but it does like clash directly with almost everything we've learned about Austin Powers. So you might, I think the movie also wants us to think that these other things, they are, they're fronts and they're jokes and they're playful. And then when it gets down to brass tacks, like he's a gentleman. And I think that's the message that the movie is trying to give us with that moment where he won't sleep with her because she's drunk. It's kind of an act, except for... Right. Except it's still like fucking freaking creepy. Yeah, right. (laughs) Don't say fucking and freaking. Yeah, you gotta pick a lane there. (laughs) Benny, just just pick one for me. <laughs> Chef's choice. I don't have much else to say about it. It's like sexual harassment, but we're into it. It's basically the lesson I got out of it. There's plenty of stuff in Spies, like in like Flint and James Bond and plenty of other stuff that is problematic and ready for send up. And I think in a lot of ways, this movie does do it, but then also wants Austin to be a likable character. Yeah. And I think that leads to the most awkward moments with Austin where 
there's these, like, you could always tell it was about to happen because the piano would come on, like, in the background. You would hear like this very piano. Special episode. Too. I'm like, uh. And you'd be like, Vanessa. As she's walking away from him, I'm like, I can't with Serious Austin Powers. Serious Austin Powers triggers the same response with me as Serious Robin Williams. I am just <laughs> not interested in Serious Austin Powers. That's like the exact one moment in Ace Ventura when he's like, Whatever her name is in the movie, Courtney I can't Cox. Cor- They Courtney probably Cox. didn't he's put like, any effort into He's like, it. I'm sorry. And it was just like, whoa, wh- who is this character? Yeah, what is this character? <laughs> just enough to make him human, please. Yeah. Okay, let's just talk about everything that we do love about Austin Powers now that we've gotten okay. The, uh, okay. the shitty parts out of the room. I don't know if this is the first time I ever saw the stairs, elevator, escalator, canoe behind the couch bit. <laughs> Is this the best version in cinema, or is it just, or is it just, you know, did he perfect it? Right, that's true. It's like, it's like nothing I've ever seen before. I was gonna try and wing it there, but I couldn't. <laughs> the way he he uses America Online in a very weird product placement because it's actually worse than it looked in the '60s. His video, <laughs> but the way he closes the laptop like with disgust, like right in front of his <laughs> like face, like a book, like a book. I. Have used that, and I didn't know what I was referencing, but I have done that before. <laughs> the whole, life. actually, the whole montage of him like coming to grips that times have changed, not realizing that Liberace is gay, listing off all the people he knows who's died from drugs, alcohol, or ham sandwiches. Some of them are even dating now themselves, like the pump, the Nike pump. Was it Nike or Reebok pumps? I don't know. Reebok sounds right, but I don't think that is right. It's Nike. It's Nike. You know what? I should have known. I don't know. I will say this, as much as this, this is one of probably one of the few jokes that everyone quoted that actually still made me laugh in its original iteration, which was the inflation joke. You know which one it is. The one billion, one million dollars. Oh, yeah, yeah. Not that initial one, but when he tries to sort of wing a ransom uh, while looking to number two for validation. Yeah. One hundred billion. Yeah. (laughs) It still made me laugh. I think, you know, seeing it back in its context again, I'm like, ah, right, of course. (laughs) This is funny. It's funny because time had progressed. If you say, but it was the saying of $1 million over and over. $1 million. Over and over again. And doing the finger. finger. Yeah. Ugh. Is that from? A, where did the finger come from? Is that is that like making some fun of something in a movie, or is that just a thing he did? I think for this that character? that is not part of the Lorne Michaels impression. I think that is just Mike Myers being Mike Myers. I almost called him Michael Myers. Here's something interesting, and this is very IMDb trivia. Mike Myers as Doctor Evil is making fun of Donald Pleasance. Donald Pleasance was in the original Halloween with a serial killer named. Michael Myers. Michael Myers. Wow. That's the circle of life. Wasn't there a Madonna song in this movie? No, that's the second. That's, the oh, second. Okay. that's when everyone was like, oh, we can all make money from it. Yeah. <laughs> now okay. we will okay. all be part of the system. I remember even then, almost not quite. A little bit worse than a League of Our Own, like the, <laughs> the, the, the Madonna, like the weirdness of the Madonna song, like a serious 
kind of slowish. I kind of like Beautiful Stranger. And I remember the video being deranged. Yeah. Because I think Mike Myers and Madonna are actual friends. Friends, Jerry. Like equals. And (laughs) they're like driving, doing the green screen driving while she like grinds up on Mike Myers in Austin Powers regalia. No. In his formal, in his dress blues from Austin Powers (laughs) while she grinds her ass up on him. I'm sorry, the the judges said no. <laughs> sorry, that's been excised from history. I'm sorry. There's nothing I can do about it. Uh I did like um him being unfrozen made me laugh a lot. Yeah, All the, the various joke. phases. The warm liquid. liquid goo phase made me laugh. The pee joke is funny. I uh, got that the, reference. The, <laughs> <laughs> the yay capitalism. That, that is sort one of my favorite Awkwardly <laughs> praising capitalism because he assumed the Russians won the Cold War. Well, I guess we're going to teach these capitalist pigs and pay, make them pay for their crimes, eh, comrade? Austin, we, we won. won. Oh yeah, capitalism. Uh, yeah, capitalism. I say he has yay. Little, doesn't he put up the little yeah. signs? I say oh, yay. No, he does thumbs up. Yeah. He does thumbs up on yay capitalism. I say yay capitalism all the time. <laughs> I also say a comrades, a. Uh, no one, no one ever gets it, but I do say it. It's a hipster, a hipster take. The steamroller bit. It's like one of those like. It's just it's a funny bit. It's a funny bit, and it's not wrong. I remember watching yeah. Superman 2, where a piece of construction detritus, because of General Zod's comings and goings, starts falling on a woman His who's, who, <laughs> whose baby is in a carriage. And instead of moving, she decides to sort of shield her baby with her body and just scream until Superman comes and flies and takes the the construction debris away. And I'm like, just move, like make an effort. So the guy screaming at the steamroller slowly coming towards him made me laugh. And also, I don't know if this is an intentional joke, but the fact that then they, once they run over him, they, they immediately stop. get out of the steamroller <laughs> and it. walk. Yeah. <laughs> just stopped it the whole time. Well, I don't know if you've ever encountered a steamroller in, in person. No, I'm not Judge Doom, I'm afraid. I can't, I can't speak to it. They're intimidating. You don't know if you're going to be petrified and not be able to move when you encounter a steamroller until you've been there. They're more scared of you than you are of them. <laughs> That's all I will say about steamrollers. And the three, the three point or the infinite point turn that he tries to do in the hallway. Oh. God, that's a good bit. It's good. We referenced it like I, before I even rewatched the movie today, we had to turn around the Vanna trailer. I made reference to it. <laughs> like, How do you reference it? Because it's a completely silent bit. Well, you just like, I feel like Austin Powers because you're like trying oh, to like. Okay. Yeah. That is a good reference because you just declared what the reference was. Yeah. I it's, like it. it's the like easiest it. kind to do. It just tickles the imagination. <laughs> I'm going to mention something that may be problematic, but it still made me laugh because it was so over the top stupid, okay. which was the UN meeting room. Yeah. All the like racist character. I mean, they're very, I mean, they are racist. I won't deny that they stereotypes. are stereotypes, they're, they're but stereotype, they're so yeah. over the top stereotypes that, and they're also in the UN meeting room. Right. There is a sumo wrestler. There is a geisha. There is a Spanish bullfighter. There is a Venetian gondolier. They're there also was, in like a totally black room. Totally it's black weird. room. It's so weird. Oh, it's so weird. But it's also a very like 60s, I think. Yes. It has a, well, not really. Oh, God. It's completely just dis- got like a me. get smart kind of vibe. Well, I was going to say get yeah. smart, but what's the what's the fucking Stanley Kubrick movie? Why is it completely blanking from me? 2001? No. The bomb one. 
bomb one. Doctor Strange. Oh, Doctor Jesus Strange. Christ. Oh, yeah. I don't okay. know what. Like, my brain was like, no, you're not getting this. You're not getting this. <laughs> it reminded me a little bit of that. Right, I mean, right. their war room is much more decorated, but it is very much in that style. I'm like, no room in any government building looks as cool as this. Get out of here. I also like the running, I mean, this isn't really a running joke, but I did notice this time. Any, like, Austin Powers is always, like, schmoozing and sort of moving yeah. around like a snake, like we said. Unless you mention Dr. Evil's name, and then he immediately he stiffens really, yeah. and gets super serious. Yeah, it happened, like, three t- different times when they were talking. Because he'd be, like, just walking through the casino. Like, when he's walking, like, hey, yeah, walking yeah the there casino. you are. And then he's like, Dr. Evil, and he's like, snaps to attention. <laughs> so it's so dumb. Most of what I have left is the quote lists of the... Things that people quoted versus what my favorite quotes. Uh, let's start with the douchebags list and let's yeah. start with the the real fans. These list. are the, uh, the, the obvious quotes. These are the yeah. obvious quotes. You know, like this is what, because it's extremely. The shallow level quotes. You yeah. Googled it the one afternoon. Level. I get it. You're not a true Austin AP head like you. And, <laughs> like you it's and not me. even that. It's like if you were, if you were a kid, you might pick these things up. You might say, all righty then. Ad nauseum Ugh, after yeah, watching yeah. Ace Ventura. It's not that that's, you know, that's what they were going for. And that's the, your oh behave, mm-hmm. your yeah baby, do I make you horny, right, do I? Right away, yeah. To a lesser extent, it's a man, man. I did hear that one a lot. It's a man, baby. Yeah, I, I heard that one a lot. Just real quick, I did like that initial joke when we're still in 1967 and you see this beautiful waitress come up and she gets Austin Powers' order, and then he immediately punches her in the face. Yeah. And when the shot, like, reconnects with her later, it's obviously a man in a dress. It's been completely recast, like, during, yeah, the, during right. the jump cut. It made me laugh very hard, because it's such a stupid joke. It is. And then I'm having trouble controlling the volume of my voice. <laughs> you got that one a lot. And then... I'll- you like that one. You like that one. <laughs> yes, it is very stupid because he also, he does this. Th- I mean, as we said, Austin Powers is very like fluid in his mood yeah. motions. But whenever he's like speaking loudly in that one scene, he stiffens up again and just screams, <laughs> the volume of my voice. Uh, it makes me laugh. It's also a joke he did on SNL. Yes. He used to do yeah. a th- bit called, what was it? Like theater roundtable or something like that and it was all the it would, the joke was always that they would have all these shakespearean british actors and one <laughs> loser actor so it'd be all these shakespearean actors all made up and then one like they'd have like martin short dressed up like mickey rooney and it was always like they were always like condescending to him and they hated him and mike myers his character always would start screaming at some point and say that he's having trouble controlling the volume of his voice. It had nothing to do with anything. It certainly didn't have anything to do with the homoerotic joke he would always work in about Sir John Gielgud. I didn't realize it until I was watching old SNLs on VH1 one day in the 2000s, probably, and realized (laughs) the joke was just pulled out wholesale and just put into Austin Bowers at some point. It's a great joke is what I'm trying to say. There's a lot of uh, Dr. Evil quotes that I was not happy to hear that much. Of, like the, I'm with it. I'm hick. I'm hick. Ducka, ducka, he ducka, does, ducka, 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 does ducka. the ma- Macarena. Remember the Macarena? It was a popular song about a year and a half before this movie came out. Throw me a freaking bone here. He says it twice, actually, yeah. which I annoyed me the second time, especially. One million dollars. Yeah. Liquid hot magma. I did like air quotes around laser does does make laser. me smirk. I will. I won't lie. 
nothing is particularly wrong with any of these by themselves. Usually, it's they just more got so they just exhausted. got repeated. Yeah, and like even yeah, baby, it doesn't bother me. Like it's funny in context. Like that's his vibe. It's just that it was just like everyone all the time saying it. Do you remember the the shame, the weird shame you felt when you were watching The British Office and David Brent goes to that club dressed as Austin Powers and he thinks yeah. it's like the greatest joke of all time? Yeah. And I'm like, I feel such weird shame right now yeah. watching you do this. It's a transitive shame property. And I like Austin property. Powers and it's weird. It's weird to feel suddenly ashamed of something. I feel like people also said right a lot. Yeah, right. That was another uh, flop sweaty thing. Of and course. maybe I am like associating Dr. Evil with Lorne the Michaels. things that, oh. <laughs> with, with Lorne Michaels, that son of a bitch, the things he did to Mark Maron. Let's talk about it. How'd you, how'd you get on the show? <laughs> we okay? We good? Oh, we good. We good. What else? The sh bit. Oh, sh yeah. Let's see what else I got. The, the whole... I had friends, I'm not going to absolve myself of quoting any of these things, but like the whole this Tom Arnold. This is safe space. This actually isn't going out. We're just doing this for ourselves. <laughs> this is just for us. The whole Tom Arnold interaction. So they're in adjacent stalls in the bathroom and Tom Arnold plays like a casino goer like a Texan, from Texan, like, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. Texas. And he's in the next stall and he's very supportive of Austin Powers, <laughs> who gets attacked by uh, Patty O'Brien, and then, he, you know, he thinks he's just having a really rough shit. The so sounds that Austin makes could be mistaken for a man having yes. a rough shit. Do you understand the bit? I think you do. The things he says, you're going to blow an O-ring, <laughs> drop a lung. Mm-hmm. Of course, who does number two work for? That was the yeah. biggest one. And then, that's right, buddy, you show that chart who's boss, which still gets me. I will say, I mean, I was going to bring this up as a counterpoint to the Dr. Evil stuff in that this is a really stupid joke. It goes on for a long time, but I feel like it constantly keeps hitting a new level, culminating with Tom Arnold seeing the Irishman who has been drowned in a toilet and going, Still what thinks, the hell did you eat? What did you Still eat? thinks that he took a really serious shit. Just grab a hold of something, bite your lip and give it hell. Come on, we're going to get through this. <laughs> And then, of course, something that I heard referenced a lot, it's really, I'm not going to call him out, but there's one guy I toured with who would quote a lot of these a lot. So I might be just pulling this from one experience with one person who would just quote the same things over and over again. But how about a courtesy flush over here was one <laughs> I get a lot. The Carney's quote. I like do cabbage, like the Carney's quote. I small like Small hands. One of my go-to jokes that I always like is people who have biases against very specific groups. <laughs> and so the idea that someone have a bias towards Carney's circus folk, nomads, you know, smell like cabbage, small hands. <laughs> that makes me laugh. I don't know why this, it might've just been one friend. One of my friends would quote like, cross-mogination. We got cross-mogination and their heads started exploding. Yeah. Oh, uh, just his like, Panicked explanation of what happened with the fembots. And then, of course, <laughs> that really hurt. I'm going to have a lump there. Who throws a shoe, honestly? Yeah. Who throws a shoe came up a lot in high school. Who throw? I mean, that is, oh, did you go to a shoe throwing high school or? I don't think it was the actual shoe throwing that came up a lot, but quoting it came up a lot. Ah, okay. So if anyone threw anything, you would, you would just sort of go to who throws a shoe, honestly, or? Yes. No, I mean, I think you hit the, the the big ones. Let's get to the hipster ones. Let's get to the deep cuts. This would be on that separate tab in Apple Music if you could have movie quotes as a setting in your Apple Nothing Music. Nothing but B-sides. 
Well, in many ways, the big boy never left. <laughs> this is Clint Howard's line. He plays like a radar technician. He's been delivering the same quality food at low prices. <laughs> but I like that even the character, it seems like, is making a joke because the, cause the, the uh, general or whatever is like, okay, whatever. Like he, He's like, yeah, yeah. But back to the point. And then that same general is giving instructions to his his underling. I was going to bring this up, yeah. And he says, get on the horn, do this, do this, pack my bag, feed my fish, not too much. And then there's split screen of all these things happening. And then the person feeding the fish, then there's a little net getting a little bit of the food out. This is the first time I caught that the, I mean, it is a really, it's a very 60s thing. Like one of the things that's interesting about this movie, it is, even though it is set in the 90s, it is filmed in a very 60s way. So when that guy is giving instructions, there are all these sort of like, I mean, for lack of a better term, they're almost like Brady Bunch blocks of him, him in the center and all these like sort of these shots of the things he's requesting being acted out, like pressing his suit, calling this guy, doing this other thing. And one of them is feed his fish. And then when you see the food go into the bowl and then when he says not too much, you see a little net, get some of the food out. That is one of the jokes. I think there's like a certain randomness to this iteration of Austin Powers that gets lost as the sequels continue? Because it's not a Mike Myers joke. I think that he like, not even out of You mean Mike egotism. Myers isn't delivering the joke? Yeah, or, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh-huh. he, I'm, he wrote the whole movie. He might have had a hand in writing the joke, but I just mean like, it's not a Mike Myers-centric joke. I don't know that it was out of egotism or more just like, oh, it's got to be these character-focused jokes, and this is just some random joke. And the same thing with the big boy joke. Like, these are right. just funny, this is just funny little things. This is a funny little joke. Mike Myers is in the interstitial, like the band shots that they show that are also like this. I'm sure they're referencing something very specific. It feels very laughing, but I love that because they just add to this sort of 60s vibe. Yeah. It's very random. And it is something that gets lost, I think, as the movies continued, because I think this one was like, we're going all in. We're getting everything we can into this because we're making fun of something very specific. And I think as the movies went on, they got less specific in their targets. It just became sort of like, we're kind of making fun of the 60s, but we're really just going to have, you know, Mike Myers in a fat suit. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And then also in a fat suit, wearing sumo clothing, and then later also dressed as a Dutch guy who who has like a skin condition. Was was that the joke about Goldmember? Is that he had... He's, yeah. Has a skin condition. Dutch people are weird, I guess. Oh, he's, he loves gold. I only saw that one, I think, once. I think I did the right thing. The only thing I remember from that one is that Austin Powers had to, uh, he ter- accidentally turned off a peeing fountain, like a like a little yeah. cherub peeing, and he had to keep peeing to keep yeah. the guard off the and case. He eats and then he eats asparagus while he's peeing and causes the pee to stink. A couple of these I've already referenced. The A comrades, A Oh, this is, children think, oh, this is candy, I'm having fun. I like to give my undercarriage a bit of a how's your father. I wrote that one down. Personally, when I'm on the job, I like to give my <laughs> undercarriage the the old how's your father. It felt like, what if we just crammed as many old sayings and Englishisms into one sentence? It's deranged. And then allow myself to introduce myself and then he also says my name is richie cunningham this is my wife oprah a great oprah reference and a great happy days reference Ah, as well good god i don't know why that's so funny it's just so funny he also says oprah 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 
this is kind of toes the line between something that was quoted a lot by other people and me. That's just, I didn't spend six years in evil medical school to be called Mister. Thank you very much. <laughs> and sometimes I like when there's a silence or a weird lull in a conversation. I will say, ladies and gentlemen, Burt Backrack. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor Evil explaining some one of the bits that he doesn't. He says it's a homonym, which I like to quote randomly. Wait, what is he? Uh... I don't remember what he's referencing. Uh, one of the lines that stuck out to me was when they were taking the tour of, what's the name of the fake company? VirtuCon? Is that right? Yes. That sounds right. The tour guide <laughs> says, he, and he's like very chipper, gay-coded tour guide. And he says, we make steel, petroleum products, and volatile chemicals. Like he <laughs> says in a very cheerful voice. <laughs> but then later when uh, Austin and Vanessa like slip away from the tour, he's the one who calls it in. So even the tour guide knows what's up. I remember what he's explaining. He's explaining the fembots thing. He says, I like to see girls of that caliber. And then no one laughs and uh, he kind of explains it for a while. And he's like, it's a, it's a homonym. It's very good. The rest of it is just the, what you referenced before his monologue uh, at the therapy session run by seen Carrie a Fisher. Shorn, a shorn scrotum. It's really quite breathtaking. The details of my life are quite inconsequential. <laughs> and then quite he would consequential. talking about his father. He would make outrageous claims. Like he invented the question mark. Sometimes he would accuse chestnuts of being lazy. <laughs> It's a deranged monologue, and it's it still stands as one of Summers my favorite. Summers in Dr. Rangoon, luge lessons. <laughs> Sometimes we would make meat helmets. It's pretty funny. Yes, I agree. Let's go to the verdict. Come on. Mm-hmm. Austin Powers, International Man of Mystery. Scottish problem, you're in a child is not an idiot. This movie is funny as fuck. Is it perfect? No. Would I feel as happy about it? Like if this exact came movie came out now, I'd be like, this is weird. Why did he travel to 1997? But it would like, be very specifically weird. Yes. You don't get a pass for some things, but it is like this was released in 1997. So even it's like, boy, we've come a long way from the 60s. You're kind of like, yeah. But <laughs> we also came a long way from the 90s. Right. So having said that, it's it's funny. <laughs> There's really funny moments in here. I'm still the things that got played out. I don't think when he says, yeah, baby, it doesn't make me laugh, but it also doesn't bother me like it did back then. Just because it was mm-hmm. like, it's not around all the time anymore. Because Brandon in third period isn't interrupting Mrs. He's, Johansson's lecture yeah. with it. He's 40 and he has four kids. So <laughs> what an idiot. <laughs> yeah. You're in Charles and idiot. This is pretty funny. And I think we did a pretty good job delineating the problems, but I think you could see past them to still enjoy it. What do you think? Very self-congratulatory review there. I think we did a great job <laughs> picking out the no, problems. No, that's not what I meant. I didn't mean to like, no, uh, no, cheer no, us we on. all heard you. Listen, I did a good job. You, <laughs> I floundered in several cases. You just shat on uh, Dr. Evil the whole time. Absolutely correct. Hi, I'm the buzzkill. I'm here to bring the truth Whoa. to this. Sorry to spool your Austin Powers party, guys. Don't but spoil it. your inner child 
is not an idiot. This oh. is a pretty funny movie. It's got its problems. It's got its flab. I think the sequels do, do get a lot worse. It is a tight running it's time. It's a tight running time. You know I love it. you still have flab if you seem to be floundering for a joke. Yeah, as I said, the Dr. Evil stuff ages the worst for me, which is surprising because the a Lothario who doesn't take no for an answer is the hero of the movie. But no, overall, it is still a funny movie. It tells us how far Mike Myers could have fallen to make the love guru just a decade after this but it is it is kind of worth a revisit it's one of those movies that got so like tattooed into the era that you can sometimes misremember what the movie actually was especially when it has two sequels that spawned off of it it's sometimes tough to remember how kind of spunky and like just kind of random and fun the first one was all I have to say is, yay, capitalism. <laughs> what do you think, everybody? Email us, your inner child is an idiot at gmail.com. You can text us or leave us a voicemail, 615-576-0525. We want to thank our patrons. Oh, God, why do I always forget this step? Because you're ungrateful. Because I love my patrons so much that I always think I've memorized their names. Let's see. Who, does that work? Did anybody ask for Austin Powers? Do we need to move them up top? Uh, I don't think so. I think this was a me thing. So move me to the top. How about Australian accent? There yeah, go. that's me. We want to thank our patrons for supporting the show, including... Demons Australian accent. <laughs> Jonathan Day, perhaps. Captain... <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, doing... baby. Captain John Luke Picard, yeah. Lindsay Nell. The Hands of Fate. Mm. Typical. Dan McIntyre. Jackson has an unhealthy obsession with Damon. Mm, yeah. He's the supreme. Do I just keep being like just sexual the entire time? Yes. As my boyfriend can attest to, I'm not good at that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, pack it in. (laughs) The supreme ruler of this podcast. The elusive fan Gromkin, a little bit of the younger carriage. Give it the old what for? Shit on the cartouche. Josh Frigo. Dramatically placed hot dog. Do I make you Travis Vance? His Honor the Mayor. Typical. Mm. Beth Sermont. I can't do this anymore. David Mort. <laughs> yeah, just cause. Scalposaurus. It's just an accent after a while. You're just <laughs> doing an accent and reading the same person's name. Uh, excuse me while I do his very specific voice. Uh, yes, uh, the uh, hmm, <laughs> uh, Dr. Uh, Malcolm's heaving bosom. Particle Man. T. Smith. Karen Curd. The Zesty. Jeremy Powlin. Larissa Maestro. Heather Tuggle. Thank you all very, very, very much. We really appreciate your support. Uh, thank you for uh, paying us to watch Austin Powers. It wasn't that bad. <laughs> That's the spirit. <laughs> That's the kind of like enthusiasm I want to see. So uh, just go ahead and play us out. Do I do something now, or I just sort of... Should I just, like, awkwardly uh, repeat the same joke over and over again? Yeah. Ah, yes. Ah, Mustafa, you are... mm, Ooh, I do not care for your insolence.